Data Media wants you to know how RBMA's leader in patient statement delivery and payment solutions is transforming the industry once again. DMA's commitment to designing, developing, and deploying better, faster, more efficient solutions for RBMA members continues with the launch of two exciting products. DMA's enhanced e-delivery solution is a dynamic hybrid delivery channel utilizing a calculated rotation of email, text, and paper correspondence that communicates with your patients on platforms where they spend their time. And their new pay-by-phone solution that will simplify the payment process for you and your patients. Couple these transformative new products with DMA's existing solutions and you will maximize patient engagement, accelerate response rates, and drive patient payments all at a lower cost to you. Who doesn't want lower costs? Be sure to contact DMA by clicking on their ad on the RBMA website's homepage and let DMA do what they do best. You will reap the benefits. Hey RBMA members, Bob Still here. Welcome to another episode of A Word with Bob. We are, uh, like everyone, fast and furious uh, this summer. Here with RBMA, our staff has been working diligently to offer the kinds of services uh, that uh, the radiology industry needs. And I might add, we have uh, are really proud of ourselves. Um, this past year, RBMA was honored uh, with a Gold Circle Award from the American Society of Association Executives, thanks to the work of our staff, our volunteers, and advocacy. I need to shout out to Liz Quam and Kit Crancer at Reyes who um, helped me lead an effort on our grassroots program last year to fight the cuts to radiology, which we got reduced from nearly 12% down to about 4%. So um, just a little bit of time here to pat ourselves on the back. Um, Jessica Struve, our, our Deputy Executive Director, who's very involved with the American Society of Association Executives, submitted this program uh, for a Gold uh, Circle Award. And we were chosen out of over 300 submissions as the leading advocacy program in associations in the country for 2020. So we're really proud of that. That was presented at the ASAE uh, Marketing Conference uh, in late June. And uh, I haven't talked to you since then. So um, listen, a couple things I need for you to do as soon as you're finished listening with A Word with Bob. Number one, I want you to go register for our RBMA Foundation for Education and workshop, or I'm sorry, Foundation for Education and Research, uh, Founders Day. Uh, Founders Day is the day that RBMA was founded uh, 53 years ago in Chicago, Illinois, and we celebrate that each year. Uh, we started last year uh, with our Founders Day as a way to provide a day of free education to our members, and all we ask is that you think about the foundation and repay us with a donation. Um, our foundation has raised over $100,000 in the past year, and uh, we're real proud of that as we begin to offer scholarships, as we've done in the past, um, and look at various research and educational pro pro programs within radiology uh, that will benefit um, the entire industry. So uh, go to uh, rbma.org. Um, you can register for Founders Day. Um, we'll have uh, a wonderful... Uh, lineup of different speakers throughout the day. Our keynote speaker is our good friend, Dr. Richard Duzak from the Neiman Health Policy Institute. He's a professor at Emory uh, School of uh, Medicine 
and Vice Chair for Health Policy and Practice in the Department of Radiology at Emory, um, Emory, Emory University School of Medicine. And Rich is going to be speaking on uh, the topic of generalist versus subspecialist, how swings the radiology workforce pendulum. And uh, as one who worked uh, managing a group for 22 plus years, um, that was a constant debate. You know, do we need to get more subspecialized? Do we need to be more generalist? Um, we'll talk about it next month at the shareholders meeting, and we'll talk about it next month at the next shareholders meeting, and we'll talk about it for 22 years. So uh, Rich has some very, very interesting research. It's very timely. Every uh, RBMM member I talk to out in radiology land is recruiting. And uh, we all know uh, the pressures of that under COVID. We all know the pressures of not having enough physicians and radiologists to uh, interpret those images. So um, I would encourage all of you to register for Founders Day. Uh, you can get the recordings if you can't be there, write and listen to them live. But um, Dr. Duzak will be, uh, is a good friend of RBMA. He's a member. He's, he's, he'll present a very, very good uh, session uh, to keynote today. And also we'll have another word with Bob live. Uh, we're planning a really special program for that day. And uh, I know you'll enjoy that. And probably afterwards you'll want to uh, turn right around and, and you know, donate uh, donate $50 or $100 to the foundation so we can continue our work. Number two, that was just the first thing. I feel like President Biden. One, two, he's always counting. Um, number two, if you haven't, you're going to need to go on the RBMA website, rbma.org, and register for Paradigm in Las Vegas in October. Um, we will be live. We are committed to that. Um, we are working with the MGM Grand, our hotel, and others to provide a very, very safe and healthy environment for our members. Uh, we know with this Delta variant that um, we need to take precautions indoor, indoors right now. Um, everyone's masked up in Las Vegas indoors, but we're planning some outdoor events. Um, it'll be a very, very nice time of the year in Las Vegas. We have a great program planned. Um, Jen Slaw, who will be one of our speakers and does juggling as a management tool and learning from juggling. She was on Word with Bob Live last month. Um, I think you're going to have a lot of fun. And by the way, first time we'll see each other. So uh, let's do that. Let's, uh, let's, uh, we've had a very, very good uh, to date uh, registration. In fact, we're a little bit ahead of where we were last year uh, before we got canceled. Uh, so uh, let's, let's uh, if you haven't done it, let's uh, get right over to your uh, keyboard there Type in rbma.org and uh, click on it, register, get that MasterCard or Visa out and pay your registration fees. I promise uh, that you're going to have a great time. Uh, you're going to have a great time networking. I promise a great learning event. Patricia Hayden, our Director of Education and our program committees have done a wonderful job uh, preparing for this. And also, by the way, for those of you that can't make it to Vegas, we have a hybrid virtual option. So uh, we have... Uh, a few dozen people registered for that already. That's a lower cost. That's only $395, but you'll have access to all of the, most most all of the sessions on a recorded basis and a couple of them live. So, uh, but you won't have access if you're virtually to our wonderful exhibit hall, which again will be full of uh, exhibitors who have supported RBMA uh, during the last year, during COVID, when we went virtual. They're very excited about seeing everyone. There's a lot of new products out there that they've developed in the last year. So, hey, um, it's, it's time to get your credit card out. 
it's time to register. Let's get flights. Let's do it and uh, have a great time. I can ensure you um, that it will be a healthy and safe meeting. Number three, if you haven't been vaccinated, come on, let's do it. It's time. Uh, the vaccination's safe. I mean, look at me. I, I was vaccinated back in February, our second shot. I'm probably going to have a booster before I go to a paradigm. Uh, it's been, uh, for me, it's been six months. But um, let's do it for everybody. It's all about the team. And uh, I know some people are worried about it. Um, but, you know, I had my neighbor say, well, I don't like putting chemicals in my body. And I explained to him, hey, there's more chemicals in a Big Mac than there is in this vaccine. Um, I'm reading the book, The Code Breaker, right now about uh, this woman um, uh, who um, helped develop all the science around this vaccine, mRNA, um, uh, Dr. Doudna, D-O-U-D-N-A. It's a great book by Walter Isaacson. I, I would highly recommend it. So number three is get that vaccine if you haven't. Um, we want to go live in Vegas, and we're going to. We want to come home and not have the sniffles. And um, so... Uh, you know, treat yourself to a vaccine, treat yourself to a paradigm registration and a Founders Day registration. Go out and buy a new mask, something snazzy, and uh, let's get out there. So on with uh, our interview today, I had a wonderful interview with my friend and longtime RBMA member, Bud Day. Bud is the Vice President of Business Development for Collaborative Imaging, uh, an organization that is is uh, was formed to... Um, put together a consortium of radiology groups to help maintain independence in radiology. Bud has 40 years in radiology. Uh, I've known Bud probably for 10 of those years, maybe a little more. Um, and as he describes it, he's had a great ride in a very challenging uh, subspecialty. Um, when you do these interviews with uh, folks, you find out things about them that otherwise you wouldn't know. So for instance, Bud has a uh, a degree from Hiram College in, in Ohio uh, back in the mid-60s um, and Vanderbilt University, a degree in divinity. Bud was a minister and uh, had a church, had uh, was a pastor. And, uh, you know, one thing leads to another. When you're pastor of a church, you meet people in, um, in a small town in Ohio. You happen to meet the hospital president. And how interesting for someone that... Um, was a minister and had that calling to then turn the, to the calling of uh, healthcare. Very, very interesting. So uh, Bud has had experience in academics, in academic medicine through Thomas Jefferson University and University of Pittsburgh. He's had experience working in uh, technology with Siemens and Toshiba. That's where I met Bud. Um, very involved with uh, teleradiology. Um, and then moved into kind of corporate radiology and consulting and uh, practice consulting. He's been a very, very good volunteer with RBMA through these years. And um, wonderful story, wonderful person to talk to. And um, I hope you'll enjoy it and learn something. So thanks for listening. Let's listen to Bud. So uh, uh, welcome, Bud Day, to our podcast. How are you today? Thank you, Bob. I'm doing fine. It's a Friday afternoon on Cape Cod. I know. What's that like? I mean, now I have to ask you, um, do, uh, do you live near the Kennedy compound or are you close? We're, we're about 20, 25 minutes. That's in, That's on the water in Hyannis and we're at the elbow of the Cape. Oh, okay. 
we're a little further out uh, from the elbow. that. Uh, the elbows, the uh, yeah, the, the location where Chatham is very much the elbow. We're the next town in from that, but we're on the Sound, the Nantucket Sound, much like the Kennedy Compound, just further down. Oh wow, that must be just fantastic in the summer. And and now, kind of as we come out of COVID, it's getting crowded again. It, it is, Bob, and the uh, I'm I'm very involved in the Chamber of Commerce here, and uh, and they uh, all of the numbers are off the charts. The all the B and Bs, uh -huh. all of the restaurant reservations, all of the Airbnbs, everything's gone. I mean that really, it really we changed complexion a lot when during COVID. Many people from Connecticut, Rhode Island, New York, who had summer homes here, stayed. They just right. uh, they just didn't leave. And it had some real interesting impact on schools that were hybrid because all of a sudden they had children population that was jumping through the roof they never planned on. Oh, and it yeah. caused, caused chaos in the uh, per pupil to teacher ratio. So uh, there was a lot of adjustments had to be made. But uh, the housing industry, interesting point, I, I won't belabor this. I'm uh -huh. giving you too much on Cape Cod. But no, at, that's this, good. at this point in 2020, there were 3,000 houses available on Cape Cod. Today, there are 271. No kidding. Now, is that available to purchase to or buy, to, to buy? To buy. Yeah, houses for sale. There's no inventory. And if if you wow. are bidding, if you are bidding, you better bring your checkbook and be yeah. prepared to write the check that day because there the average is going for about 20% above asking and going the same day. That's phenomenal. Well, we're experiencing the same thing here in this little lake in central PA. Uh, yep. There is no inventory. And uh, the realtors kind of that work here are kind of trying to create inventory. You know, they're sure. looking for homes to maybe they'd buy and flip them. And it's just, you know, there's no inventory. And, and when the home, and same thing, home goes on sale, people show up with cash and are paying over the price, yep. you know, yep. to, be on the, the, to be on the lake. That's the so, market. That's the market. Yeah, we'll have yeah. to, you and I have, are old enough to have lived through some interesting markets. Exactly. I, I kid my, <laughs> kid my wife. Should we put the house up for she's sale? And she said, what, and buy a double wide? <laughs> <laughs> well, why not? <laughs> we do the same kidding. I, but uh, I reminded our, some of our children the other day, we have four, that when we bought our first home in 1980 or 81, it was a special state of Delaware mortgage at 14.5%, first time <laughs> home buyer. So, unbelievable, unbelievable. So, you know, times change, right? And they get better wow. and they get worse. And it's just interesting times. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. So, we, uh, <clears throat> we have these little conversations so we can learn about our lives and how they kind of tripped into radiology. And so, I need, so did you, you grew up in New England? No, Bob, I grew oh. up in Ohio. I'm a Buckeye through and through. Oh, are you uh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. I was born in Cleveland and, and lived the majority of my uh, school age and life in uh, Toledo, Ohio, and then oh, went, wow. went to Hiram College, which is right outside of Cleveland, one of those small, great Ohio uh, colleges. It, it's yeah. notoriety when we were there was that was a summer camp for the Cleveland Browns. So that was oh, its wow. claim to fame. So uh, that's really interesting. You grew up in Toledo because I grew up in Fort Wayne. Yeah. Well. Both cities on the Maumee River. Yep. And uh, so you would know what the Toledo Blades are. Oh, absolutely. From the International Hockey League, right? right. And my Played father's business was wholesale flowers and the, the corporate offices were Fort Wayne. So I knew it very well. Yeah. Everybody, every, 
I, I always heard growing up that all salesmen like to go to Fort Wayne because there were good restaurants there. <laughs> I'll tell you, with Toledo, I went back uh, some 10, 12 years ago, I guess, and I truly believe that when MASH went off and Jamie Farr left, Toledo right. rolled up. That was it. <laughs> well, you know, we've all been back. I go back to Fort Wayne. I try to get back once a year from family, and it's it's fun to see those cities and see how they've kind of come and, and, you know, go and, and uh, all those great Midwestern cities that, you know, the basis was the automobile industry, you know, they, they, uh, they're kind of coming back. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's very true. The, the repurposing of so many things in Ohio, so many cities and towns, but it's a, it's a, a very challenging state from an economic standpoint. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And, we don't realize how big like Ohio is like Pennsylvania where I am, right. uh, how many different demographics there are. And, you know, nobody thinks about Southern Ohio and, uh, right. you know, like the, as documented in the hillbilly elegy and, you know, that whole lifestyle is pretty interesting. True. Yeah. So you went to Hiram college. What did you study? You didn't study anything about radiology management. I can tell no, you my, my whole, uh, life had been geared to uh, pastoral ministry. So I, really? uh-huh. yeah, I was there in preparation for graduate school. So uh, Hiram was, a, was a, a college of the denomination of which I was a part, a very familiar, easy choice to go to. And, mm-hmm. and then uh, from there, trekked on to Vanderbilt University in Nashville to do a, do a uh, master's in psychology and get ordained in pastoral ministry. Oh, that's cool. And did you did you serve in pastoral ministry? Did. did you have a did I, you have an appoint a church? I so did. We uh, yeah. we went from uh, we went from uh, Nashville, which was just wonderful in in our time, and went to the Outer Banks for the first yeah. church, which we thought we'd died and gone to heaven. Yeah. Um, and we had, it was quite an you talk about experiences, quite an experience because it was the South, and mm-hmm. it was you know it's it's nineteen. 69. Yeah. uh, Things were were really interesting to walk into uh, coming out of Nashville, which was clearly the deep south for us. So a lot of good cultural experiences. But uh, these my my wife's parents had a home in Nantucket. So we were we go to this little town in the Outer Banks and they we said, we're going on vacation. We've got a two year old. We're going on vacation. They said, oh, you're going to go over to Newburgh and you're going over to right. Outer Banks. You're going to Duck. Where are you going? Yeah, said, uh, we're going to Nantucket. And they're like, why, <laughs> you're would, Yankee. why would you do that? And I said, <laughs> basically, because the housing's free. Yeah, right. It's a free vacation. Yeah. Huh? So we, oh. that's how life started out from there, Bob. It was uh, then called to a church in Ohio. Uh-huh. That uh, many of my fraternity brother and sorority sisters' parents had, were uh, very influential, in, and I I had known them, and of course in the college days, and so went there, and so and that was the last church I served uh, six years there, and uh, realized that that was not where I wanted to spend the whole rest of my life, and yeah. my my racquetball partner was the uh, president of the local hospital, and uh-huh. uh, after. A lot of beers and soul searching. Um, he said, "If you want to uh, learn hospital administration, come spend a year with me, and I'll let you run all the departments you need to understand." Oh, and wow! That's, that's what I, I made one year, two years, and uh, he, yeah. he literally was an OJT. Learn how to be a hospital administrator, and that that was yeah. my introduction to radiology. I ran those oh, that's really clinical departments. So, uh, what denomination was it? It was a Christian Church Disciples of Christ, oh, okay. which is. Uh, 
very strong in the in the Midwest and, and yes. the far west. Uh, yes, it's yeah. it split in the 30s, and the United Church of Christ, which everybody knows, and yeah. and the uh, Congregational Church, those all went three different ways and kind of took their own geographies and kept going. Right, that's interesting. Uh, I uh, my paper route was actually across the street from the Fort Wayne Bible College. Okay. And uh, we used to play baseball on their baseball diamond every day. And they're, they're, and at the time, they built a new library right there. Oh, they had nice. the, coldest, the coldest drinking fountain <laughs> in, in the state of Indiana. And we'd sneak in there. And Those are get, important. What's that? Those are important things to find. Oh, yeah. Really important. And then one day we discovered they had like a malt shop on campus. You know, and we'd go in there and act like, Bible students. <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah. you, you just picked up an interesting topic. When I went to Nashville and I uh, was working in a, in a business there, they, uh, the water fountain's called a bubbler. Oh, yeah, right. It was like they said, the bubbler's around the corner. I said, <laughs> what? <"It's a> bubbler. <laughs> so that must have been tough for you in the 60s. I mean, you know, the late 60s in the South and you're yeah. coming from the North, they probably thought you were a civil rights worker. And I mean, that would have been tough, huh? Yeah, it was. And my... That my two really interesting pushes were not only the, the civil rights play, but but also Vietnam at that point. I'd already yeah. lost a couple fraternity brothers in oh, Vietnam. Oh wow! Yeah. So uh, started the first conscientious objection center in the South in Nashville. And, oh no uh, kidding! And that uh, so you know I had I'm, I'm like that far side member of the bummer of a birthmark Hal with yeah the, right you know, I yeah felt bummer like of I had, a birthmark I had one in the back. And the front. You know? Wow, no kidding. Yeah. Were was, you, are you a conscientious objector yourself? Uh, I, I did not serve. I, oh, you I did was, not. Yeah. I was, I was committed to uh, that, was not a cause that I was right. in support of. So yeah. I'm, a big, I'm a big veteran support fan, do a lot in that yeah. area. And I work a lot with vets that especially uh, PST and a lot of those problems. But yeah. I, did not, I did not go to Vietnam. It's really interesting. Um, I have two brothers older than me. One um, is about your age. He graduated um, actually from a small college in Indiana, St. Joe College, sure. which was, by the way, the, the college where the Bears trained. <laughs> yeah. So it's a small world. But uh, none, of my none of my brothers nor I served in any military. Yeah. And uh, didn't. none of us got drafted. Um, there were, you know, I, I was a little young. They stopped the draft the year, my, my birth sure. year, they stopped the draft, which was 54. And it's interesting, we talk now and reflect back, we all kind of regret not having some military yeah. experience. I don't Absolutely. know if you've found that with other men who haven't had the opportunity totally, to serve. Totally agree, Bob. And, that, yeah. and when I, I did my uh, clinical pastoral work in, at the VA hospital in Nashville for yeah. a year, and and that was all returnees, many yeah. in orange issues. So oh, I, got yeah. to know, I got to know just some unbelievably wonderful people who had seen it all. At, and they were our age at that time. They were, they had yeah. served and they were returning and I'm just coming, I'm in school and they're coming back from a world like oh. experience. Yeah. So, yeah. Firsthand appreciation for the military. Oh, right no kidding. Yeah. yeah. And today, I mean, like you, I, I volunteer I volunteer uh, every year with the Reese Across America Project, right. yep. project. At Fort Indian Town Gap National Cemetery. It's a lot yep. of fun. I manage the parking. Nice. That's a, everything you know, works. 
everything works. Yeah, you got to do it. So uh, I, I want to add, do you still do some ministry? I mean, on a volunteer I, basis? Do I do, you know, it. Yeah. The, the fun of it is you're always the resident family, extended family, marry us kind of. Oh, yeah, person, right. You know, and get called yeah. for funerals, of course, at the other oh. end of the like spectrum. But uh, yeah. I found, Bob, that they, my, my best creative and, and contribution is in a lay capacity, always yeah. active in a church wherever we've lived, and that's been all over the country with radiology, yeah. but uh, uh -huh. as soon as they figure out you were ordained, you're pretty much ticketed to something that's <laughs> <laughs> never the men never mention the word sermon to a retired pastor right exactly <laughs> i had an uncle that was a jesuit priest uh until he fell in love and got married after 25 years but yep. uh it was like he married of course he married a lot of cousins and family yep. and my brother always said well now that he's not a priest is our marriage invalid i mean well I do am I free to move thing. about the country, you know? I, I do the same thing every anniversary with four great first cousins and say, you yeah. know, I'm still trying to get my degree from California finished up. <laughs> there you go. Oh, well, um, that is just so interesting. I don't know any of our RBMA colleagues that, that got into the business, the healthcare management business through the ministry, but, <laughs> but that's kind of how we did things in the six. Yeah. I mean, you know, you didn't get a degree in, Nope. And a master's that, in uh, healthcare administration. Liberal arts. Liberal huh? arts degree gives you a ticket to figure out what you're going to do with yourself. Oh yeah, I, I, uh, a friend of mine that was a hospital president uh, for a very large institution, but he said when he started, it was a small hospital in a small town, and the chairman of the board, he, he gets appointed, he goes to the town, he says oh, by the way, you have a radio show every Saturday morning. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, oh, yeah, the hospital president every Saturday morning has a talk show. People call in and ask about stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. You so say you better prepare, prepare for that. But those were the good old days, huh? Yep. Yeah. So uh, interesting that you spent some time at Thomas Jefferson in the radiology department. Right? Yeah, that's where I went after, uh, after this. Uh, um, and, and because of ministry, I had a first cousin who was the first female chief resident at TJU oh, wow. in, in yeah. 70 and was getting married and uh, said, why don't you, uh, let's, will you do the wedding? And of course, yes, I would. And at this, at the uh, reception work in the crowd, as I always enjoy doing, uh, was yeah. the uh, president of Thomas Jefferson University. And I met him oh, and wow. talked to him and, mm -hmm. and I told him, you know, great small, small experience in Alliance, Ohio, a 240 bed, wonderful but I'm ready for an academic institution. Want to yeah. see how the big boys play. Yeah. And if you ever come up with anything, give me a call. And about four months later, I, I did get a call. And he said, we're going to build a new hospital. I want somebody at my right arm that can run the gap between the trades and the clinical departments and, and interpret the language and, and get this done. So uh, uh -huh. will you and your wife fly in? We did. We flew in and uh, had dinner. And I, he, he pitched it. And I said, how much time do I have to think about it? He said, what are you doing for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the big boys do that. They kind of call and say, can you be here tomorrow? Yeah. There it was. By, by noon that next day, we had a job and we had a house in New Jersey and we were packing our kid to, uh, to Philadelphia. So uh, the modalities at that time were x-ray and yeah. you probably oh, were yeah. into ultrasound film, now, were they? Film, you know, in building that it was about building the biggest friggin' film archive you could figure out. So it was like, <laughs> what are we going to do in the basement for X-ray? The, the basement, about, yeah. The film archive. All of the square footage. 
Yeah. And there, there was probably a little stairway from the oh, yeah. theology department down to the film library. And, and it was dark and totally unsafe. And that's, oh, yeah. the, way, that's the way it went. So, uh, but uh, yeah, the fun of it was when you, in, in building that hospital, which was just a tremendous experience, it, yeah. it then allowed me again to get to know the people and work through the different divisions. So they gave me wonderful experience to, I ran the business offices, I ran the clinical department, right. finally ended up vice president of human resources for the university. And oh, did I you love really? TJU. It was just a great experience. So I have a, some connection to TJU from Delaware. Okay. Um, Delaware is one of the only states that does not have a medical school in it. Yep. But they have a relationship with Thomas Jefferson University Medical School. How about that? Now, I don't know if this still exists, but I'll bet you it does. I'll bet so it does. Every year, the Delaware legislature uh, allocates a million dollars under a program called, wow. I think it's DMAC or Delaware wow. Medical Education, something, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And that buys 20 spots for Delaware residents Education. at the Thomas Jefferson Medical School. Yep. You bet that's so, still the place. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, you know, I was in the state Senate in Delaware, then I was out, then I went to work um, with, as the uh, director of government relations, the first director of government relations for uh, the medical center of Delaware, which is now Christiana. That's great. Cares. And uh, so I get like this appointed because of that, I kind of control the million dollars. All right. <laughs> and there was some of this. And, and so the, the, the governor at the time, who I knew very well and was a friend of mine, they were like looking for ways to cut the million dollars. You know, oh, they, of needed, course. Right. they needed 250 grand or a couple. Can you get, and I'm like, wait a minute. Well, you find out that the million dollars is like a slush fund for the Dean of the medical school. <laughs> he counts on it every year, you know? Yeah, right. It, it was just very interesting. It was actually a very good program because if you were a student at the University of Delaware interested in going to medical school, it was a real pathway. Oh yeah. And, and uh, you know, it kind of shortened the whole process maybe by a year or two because you could be guaranteed entry. And it was really cool. Very, oh, yeah. very beneficial program. A really well, with good your, model. With your experience then in college and my experience, we knew that perfect cliche, follow the money and you'll find out what's going that's, on. That's right. <laughs> and you start, you start feeling the onion of a state budget and it's amazing what's in there. Uh, especially for higher education. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of little things in there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you kind of cut your teeth in the world when radiology technology was just expanding rapidly. Oh, it was just, it was early explosion. That was, yeah. the, that was just the beginning of the CT and MRI yeah. and cross-sectional imaging. You know, at that point, it was all about DICOM connectivity, plug and play was the, yeah. you were investing in equipment who can relate to who else? So are you going to do Siemens and GE or you can do Philips or what are you going to do? And of course, the beauty of those times was every one of those vendors kept back something. They were not honest oh. with the DICOM plug and play. So right. it was never that easy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, my wife and I lived in um, Lansing, Michigan in 79, 80. Um, and uh, Barbara's pregnant with our oldest at the time. And she worked, she was a nurse in maternal child health at the um, uh, clinical center at Michigan State University. Okay. And she calls me one day, she goes, hey, um, they have a salesman here with this kind of new machine called an ultrasound. 
and they want to use me as a guinea pig. You, you want to come over and see the ultrasound? <laughs> so she was like Very the first cool. ultrasound. The ultrasound. I think it was a GE or something. Yeah, and sure it was. We, we got to see Michael, who's forty, who's forty now. You know, <laughs> and now you know how routine are ultrasounds with in a pregnancy? You know. It's oh, it's so so. Yeah, the technology. I, Bob, I don't think that you know this could be argued probably by some surgeons. But I don't think there is a subspecialty as dynamic in my career as radiology has been. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it just is uh, not only was the equipment, but the the practices and the commitment to healthcare. I mean, that's what I loved about radiology is, yeah. uh, you know, they've always trained the brightest and the best in in and you. So working at TJU and then from working at University of Pittsburgh, you just got sure. exposed to people who were committed to that field and gosh it was it was just enlightening to see the the excitement and the challenge as the technology was changing so rapidly oh my gosh yeah the um you know the image of uh a surgeon walking down the hall with a stack of films to the consult yeah. room you know yep. and, right and a radiologist and a surgeon standing there kind of looking through everything and throwing them up on the old light box yeah, and and uh, I've said for a long time. I said, boy, don't we miss those opportunities to have that conversation, right? Uh, right. Which we don't. I don't believe with with packs and digitization and be able to throw images all around a system. You kind of lose that personal sense. I haven't I haven't seen anybody duplicate it. Yeah, I, I think you're right, but I'll tell you the um, a lot of the technology. Uh, reading station technology has automated the ability to have that linkage between mm -hmm. the referring and, and the radiologist, not only in annotation, but also in communication. Mm -hmm. uh, so it used to be that, you know, in those days we're talking about, you'd get a tech, go find doc, <laughs> go find yeah. Dr. Stills and uh, have him call me. When, well, then it was a pager and then because yeah. there were no cell phones and then it was find his office receptionist and find out where he is. Now, you know, it's, it's yeah. very automated, but it's important. It's still there as a communication, but not to the degree we were used to. And it's certainly yeah. not face-to-face. -face. Oh yeah. Certainly not face-to-face. -face. I'm just, they, I, I think uh, of course it was a whole different world 30 years ago, you know, all the docs yeah. belong to the same country club and you know, that yep. was Lancaster, Pennsylvania. That's where they did their, their best communication kind of a thing. And, and sure. that's gone too. You know, there's a lot of reasons it's gone. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. You were very involved in the early uh, construction or development of outpatient imaging too, right? At Pittsburgh. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I, I, uh, I got from TJO, I got that midlife crisis to, uh, to get involved in, out, in outpatient opportunities. So right. decided mammography was something that needed to get away from the radiology department. Mm -hmm. I, even though you uh, planned a great department, you saw how bad it was with uh, a woman waiting for her mammography, sitting next to uh, oh. the uh, person in a gown waiting for some other test. And right. so, Pro yeah, probably a barium enema back yep, in the day, exactly, right? I mean, that was the exactly. basic study. So we, broke, yeah. we, built out, we built the first uh, freestanding mammography centers around the country. And that, oh, wow. in, in those days, it was done with, uh, you know, ob guineys who wanted mm -hmm. to have their patients have better experiences. So they were right. willing to put up the uh, promissory notes to build these very nicely outfitted, great practice clinician right. situations where you 
you made sure you had a surgeon on site. So the whole experience was done the same day. You had ultrasound, you had oh, mammography. Wow. That was, you know, now we have Tomo, Tomo. We have such great. Oh, yeah. Now, in those days, it was not that classy uh, experience no. for the woman. That's for sure. Oh, no. The big deal was they had a sub waiting room, right? Yeah, <laughs> After, exactly. Get you out of the big room. It was like, oh, we have a sub waiting room. That's <laughs> Oh, and you can lock your clothes in the locker. Like, right. right. And it, and it that was a, such a big deal. Huh? And it's easy of choice. Yeah, right. Station. Well, that was my entree into radiology. Um, the pra the physician practice at Lancaster General, the radiology practice had uh, built as a partnership with Lancaster General an outpatient imaging center. Okay. And about a year after they opened it, or a year and a half or whatever, uh, Lancaster General announced they were going to build a big outpatient campus right across the street. And they went to the docs and said, you'll close this place down, right? Yeah. They're like, well, wait a minute, not so fast. Right. So uh, the practice was searching for a manager and um, they decided they wanted somebody that could negotiate, that could get a relationship with the hospital. And I happened to be a relative of one of the key physicians and one thing leads to another and the former senator all of a sudden is working in radiology. Perfect. And it was, again, just interesting how we all got into this business. And that's where I met you at Lancaster. That, yes. Yeah, that's where we met. So you showed up in Lancaster with Doug Smith, right? Exactly. One night with your board. With our board, yes. So uh, yeah, back, yeah, when we moved into a business office and had a real boardroom. Yep. Yeah. That was uh, it. That was the start of our relationship. The uh, I've, I've always been interested in and Doug, Doug Smith, such a, a good friend and a good colleague in radiology, and his is now now consulting, you know, phase four, and I'm like, well, I'm more interested in phase one and two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that must have been quite a trip. Uh, yeah. I, I sometimes don't know how you all get a word in edgewise with Doug, but uh, never did. You just plan on not talking. <laughs> it was a gr great gig. I just show up and don't have to say anything. Mostly, I was his driver. <laughs> That's good. Well, he's happily down in Georgia. And, yeah. you know, we I see him, I talk to him occasionally, less and less now, but get emails from him. And he's a great RBMA supporter. Yeah, Super. through the years. Yeah. You you were involved in the early uh, pet scanning, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just, uh, uh, before all that was, had the fortunate experience from Pittsburgh of uh, getting asked to start a teleradiology company in oh, Boston. Yeah. Because right. they, they, Solomon Smith Barney wanted to get into the business and they looked around the country and said, where are the most radiologists in the United States? Well, with Brigham and Women and Mass General within two blocks of each other, that yeah. was an easy decision. So yeah, right. actually uh, then moved to Boston and uh, started teleradiology in, in 1987. That is early. Huh? Yeah, that was, that was real early. Matter of fact, was you're talking about negotiation. I think my one of the legacies I was glad to be part of was actually negotiating a compression algorithm from MIT and being <laughs> able to introduce it into radiology, which changed the game from T1 lines yeah. and huge film problems of getting getting your priors was an all day experience. Oh, yeah, I'll bet. Huh? <laughs> but once well, we, had, once we yeah. had a compression algorithm, uh, the whole uh, uh, world changed. So that was fun. Yeah. I remember our doctors, our doctors always covered 24 seven, you know, all night. Yes. <laughs> and one of them was kind of the IT doc, you know? Yep. 
And they had this box thing that they would take home with them that would send them one image at a time, like a CT <laughs> image. And they would try to figure out what it was. Uh, and then if they couldn't, they would drive into the hospital. Well, most oh, yeah. of the time, most of the time they were driving into the hospital oh, yeah, you know, in the middle of the night. The trust factor was so low because at that time there was that big argument, is it lossy or lossless compression that you're using? You know, <laughs> so it, 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 nobody knew what the heck they were talking about, but it was the root of a great argument on whether I have to drive in or I can trust the box. <laughs> I, I think they'd rather just get in the car and drive in. They would, know? they would. And that's about the time I started. And I discovered that that the practice had no workers' compensation insurance. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I said, guys, you know, if you're, let's say it's two in the morning and you drive in and somebody slams into you on King Street, that's a workers' comp claim. It is? But we <laughs> own the, I go, it doesn't matter that, you know, so it's like, oh, you know, and you wonder about all the physician practices all over the country that probably didn't have workers' compensation insurance. Yeah. You know, that's what they hire us smart people for, I guess, huh? Well, you know, Bob, fast forwarding, working now with the, the MSO that I am mm -hmm. um, and and the huge issue we have in cybersecurity. Mm, yeah. We've, I spe I've spent the last year uh, working with each of the practices on the whole cyber insurance side and the cyber training and all the things. And I got really amazed at what you found with workers' comp. I found with cyber insurance, the groups... Oh. Didn't, you know, they had this little bit, this little side policy of cyber that came along with their general liability. But it, as soon as they looked at it and recognized it had a cap of $100,000 and that they were liable for all the subrogation that would go on, yeah, right. you know, it, it felt like those days, Bob, of work yeah. and the light going off and saying, do you realize the, the potential gap you're looking at here? When, when we had a $21 billion loss year in, in 2020 in cybersecurity. Yeah, and people don't realize that the more you hear about all these attacks and stuff. And I mean, geez, yeah, I mean, Scripps medical practices, huh? It'll, it'll just, yeah, Scripps did. And uh, well, I just heard this morning, University of Florida, one of their hospitals yeah. had it. And uh, it's it's real, isn't it? Yeah. It's real. It, yeah. it is real. And, 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 it's, uh, and it ties into what we're talking about because as... 2020 hit with we, you know, we provided the platform to take everybody home, get out of yeah. the reading room, go right. home. Oh, and yeah. now you have to have connectivity with all 30 sites where you read and everything working fine. But the reality is the the availability of vulnerability is incredible in today's teleradiology world. I mean, it's just right. um, so many, you know, we find so many systems that were not exclusive to just the radiologist. They also had their kids, you know, on the system doing uh, yeah. gaming and things right. like that. That's all you need is uh, as a backdoor placement to uh, completely compromise an entire healthcare system. We, um, at Lancaster Radiology, we had in our billing office, um, three women that worked from home. They, sure. were, co they were coders, you know. Yeah, absolutely. They, they, this was an effort for Bob to um, women that had kids at home, you know, it was early kind of, you know, good right. human HR practice. Good and uh, so, uh, you know, weren't, it was kind of pre HIPAA days. So we weren't too concerned about that. You know, we trusted them, they trusted us and everything worked well. And, and then one day, one of the women had an accident going home and flipped her car, uh, truck ran her off the road, Ooh. wasn't injured, but had all this, like all these, radiology reports you know Fine. 
moving materials moving and you know you start oh well you know maybe we better kind of start thinking about this you know and then <laughs> then you start kind of looking at their workspaces at home you know and yep. one's one's got it all secure and but another one like you said the kids kind of playing games on the computer and then another one's got maybe uh sitting in the living room working and people are coming and going and you just start thinking about the sleepless night of oh what if what if somebody snoops around and gets information and it's just it just so kind of ends huh isn't that fast forward then to just make it electronic everything you just yes. said is exactly the same it's just not paper it's now much better because it's tens of thousands of records where you couldn't have yeah. that in the space you were talking about oh no no it was really hundreds of records not yeah. thousands but yeah i mean all you have to do is just link in once as you and then i i i shuddered i've thought a lot the last few months about you know how much would a practice pay to a, a cyber secured a break-in you know i know i mean i that's scary and is there any insurance that covers that uh bud yeah. i mean I, yeah there is there there's, yeah. there's some great policies but the, the, just to throw a threshold at you the threat the average threshold is five million dollars is no where, kidding is where you want to be because that's the average claim issue yeah wow yeah yeah that's uh, that's a number that will get uh, people's attention. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, I have to ask you about FICOR. Yes. We, you worked a little bit for FICOR. I'm trying to think of the guy's name, the guy that ran FICOR. The C, what, uh, I can't think. The of owner of FICOR. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd have to dredge that back up in my brain. But the fun for me was I worked for a a guy who's grew up in in. Uh, New Orleans, and his name was Hurst B. Hatch III. All right. And, and his real name, to those of us that knew him, was Pepper. And Pepper? He, yep. And the president of FICOR challenged him to put a cadre of gray-haired specialists together that could be the SWAT team that could okay. go to any one of the 51 multi-specialty clinics that were owned mm -hmm. and solve the problems. Wow. Um, and so that's what he did. And, and so you're you're really in the early '90s and right and had he created this incredible workspace. It's pre-computer, and you've yep. got whiteboards. So everybody <laughs> had these mobile whiteboards. You could take a, a eight by ten mobile whiteboard and walk over to your partner's cubicle, yeah. hang it up on this little track. Let me draw this out for you, right? And then we, out of that, we started saying, "What if you could record what was on a whiteboard?" And there came some technology that. Yeah. Uh, that GE said, well, we can figure that one out. We'll just yeah. record what you wrote and you don't have to keep writing it everywhere. So, right. but FICOR was fascinating, Bob. It, it really yeah. was. Just, then I got to see radiology all over the country in, in all 51 clinics. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, was the, it was the early days, uh, you know, of, of uh, you know, it's gotten so sophisticated now with uh, private equity, but it was kind of the early days of consolidation. Yes. Yes. So, very early. And once, yeah. uh, you know, they, they had 50 year contracts and, oh, wow. uh, yeah. and the, the contribution monthly was above the line contribution. Uh -huh. And once there was a young lawyer in, in Dallas working for Scott and white as a trainee figured out how to unbundle a 50 year contract, he made his career because he wandered all around the country and unwound 51 of them in about two months. <laughs> Well, the, our our practice attorney said, "Hey, I make money if you sell, and I make money when we unwind it. So either way, I'm making money, right?" Yeah. Well, there's a shocker. The lawyers are fine. 
Yeah, right. So uh, I attended a like an American Hospital Association marketing meeting back when I was for Christiana. Right. And found myself at a dinner. You know how you you get invited to a dinner, right? And yep. you go and there's 10 people there. And the guy that was the CEO of FICOR, and it's going to drive me, I should have looked up at him, but he was at yeah. the dinner. Okay. And I think he had just come out of working for the Clinton administration, maybe. Yeah. Yep. This guy, you talk about a guy that could talk a dog off a meat wagon. I mean, <laughs> did he have a line? <laughs> and I mean, I, I walked away from that thinking, geez, I wonder about this organization. You know, what's their real motivation here besides making a whole bunch of money? <laughs> Absolutely. It, and and that, that was the problem because the, the give back didn't happen for so long that when they finally built this team and started to give back, it was too little too late. And, uh, and, and so the, the value add had, had been diminished by that point. Yeah. So let's take uh, a breather, bud. Hi, this is Bob Still to talk about our sponsor, Clifton Larson Allen. CLA brings local market knowledge backed by a company with over 7,400 professionals in more than 120 U.S. cities. With CLA, you'll have unprecedented access to a vast network of resources who help you navigate the entire life cycle of your business, from wealth advisory to outsourcing, technology to audit, tax, and consulting, from startup to succession. This is an unwavering commitment to radiology practices with worldwide resources, an exciting new chapter in our future and yours. The CLA promise is to know you and help you. Get to know us at claconnect.com. That's claconnect, one word, dot com. So, well, uh, those were interesting times in medicine and, um, you know, different models. And, and what I, you know, I've heard people say, uh, you know, fast forwarding to, to today with, the continued consolidation and the private equity um, interest right. is that a lot of investment people who want to invest in healthcare learned an awful lot back in those days and they won't make the so-called same mistakes. Yeah, I'd like to think that's true, but you know, mm -hmm. you watch hospitals in the 90s when they bought the practices and they bought the brick and mortar offices for the docs yeah. uh -huh. and the docs went away for two years, got their handicaps low enough that they could get past their... Uh, a non-compete window, yeah. come right back. And all the patients left the hospital presence and went right back to the docs. And, you know, here we are in the, in the 20s, 20, you know, not a lot of difference between that kind of situation. So I'm not sure how great the learning was, but clearly there was a lot of structural learning about private equity and the way to work in because of those early FICOR and those opportunities that were there. Yeah. Do you, do you see, um, I mean, you've been involved in a couple different models not now with collaborative and, right. and you were involved with our friend Tom Scovey with strategic or, well, you were involved first with strategic. Right. That was a start. Yeah. That was, a, huh? Yeah. yeah started that was, that. that was a, you know, um, when I way back in the career, I, I after the, uh, in the teleradiology days, I decided that company Solomon Smith Barney, thought making the black box was where the money was going to be. And oh, it was actually uh -huh. the doc side that I enjoyed. Yeah. So I got put, got five academic universities 
to uh, commit. That was that was uh, UCSF and Penn and Wake Forest and MGH and Brigham and Women to commit their staff to read in the off hours for a private company. And right. they, the, each of the chairmen became a board member and that was herding cats to have five academic chairs running oh, no on a company. And, but it, it was an easy sale to the commercial vendors say, do you want Bill Bradley reading the knees for all of your patients at the same cost or whatever your local radiologist is? So, but this is not much different today when we look at uh, uh, the ability to start strategic radiology with 20 of the top 25 groups in the country all around the table with the practice manager and the president trying to agree on language for a document and a commitment to go for it. It felt yeah. very much like the early days of the board with yeah. the academic chairs. But, but to their commitment, to their credit, they're still going. They've done oh, some, yeah. They've done some great things. And Randy runs a great operation. And, you know, yeah. Van, Van has done a wonderful job. Oh, he's just so personally committed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so personally committed. And that, that's what it takes. That's the, yeah. that's the passion that brings other people to the table. You know, it it's different than the model that is simply a venture capital group putting mm -hmm. up money that's not the same passion as the actual radiologist who spent a career doing the right thing, who says, this is the way we should go. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's very interesting. It's interesting to me, having lived through what I always call 20 glorious years where, you know, you could kind of bill anything and collect anything. Yeah. And, um, managing at the time a large group of physicians that it's it's just interesting to me how um our colleagues have been able to build even larger groups that's the thing i find fascinating i don't i don't know how to do it i mean the chairman that i worked with very closely for years we used to say the kind of the right number is 15 doctors yeah once you get, over, once you begin, get beyond 15 it gets complicated you know but bob that's the heartbeat still today if yeah. we look at the if we look at the continuum of practices so many of the big ones have been picked off and in the different models, multiple models, but the large amount that are still independent are yes. right there at that 15, 18, 20 mark. Yeah, I know. I know. And they, uh, for whatever reason, they're very comfortable. Do you think it yeah. has something to do with geography and the size of community? I mean, I've often yeah. wondered about that. What's yeah. Well, I, I think that also to what you just said makes sense in a group that size, Governance is reality. You can yeah. make it happen. You put 160 together, governance is, is starting to look like the country. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Especially when they all kind of, I mean, we, the, the shareholder meeting once a month with us got to the point where, you know, everybody's got to vote. Everybody's got to say uh, it was it was becoming very, very much a challenge. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In, at, at the University of Pittsburgh, the only time we could get the whole, that was over we grew it from 40 to over 100. And the only time we could get everybody together was a Christmas party because the wine and the gifts were really good. <laughs> yeah, I know that. Well, actually, in Lancaster, they, they kind of discontinued the Christmas party. One year, the, the spouse's wives figured out they had this Christmas party with all the staff, but never invited the wives. So that, <laughs> that ended pretty quickly and Oops. Moved, the, moved the annual dinner to March, so to speak. <laughs> uh, uh, great. It's been yeah. it's been a wonderful ride, Bob. And yeah. I think the thing that's great to me is it's still going. I mean, the yeah, no of kidding. What's happening in radiology today, and and that's why I so missed RSNA last year because oh, yeah. I love going into 
the departments, you know, and, and looking at the new cases and the white uh -huh. papers and what's coming and the bright residents and fellows who are just taking on what's going to be the, the next 20 years and not being having that opportunity to do that was uh, physically was I, I just uh, I, I, you know, I've been there every year for 35 years. I, I was going to say, especially with your experience with Siemens and Toshiba, yeah. I mean, you're there on the floor, right? Had to be there. Had to be yeah. there. If you weren't there, you were missing something. But it's yeah. going to be wonderful. I think it'll be live again this year. Yeah. Well, uh, they've said it's going to be live. Okay. Um, we're we're now RBMA. We are planning our uh, breakfast there. We you know started started a breakfast there four years ago. Just. I used to go and say, oh, all these RBMA people here, we should do something together. Yeah. So we have a breakfast, you know, That's it's a good wonderful. place to start the day. And, you know, we'll look forward to seeing you there. Thanks. I, uh, I had the same, when I first went to RSNA, I just thought, oh my God, what a cool oh. thing. This is just, yeah. you know, and people say, oh, go to RSNA. It's a pain, yeah. you know, but I always just was inspired by it and still am today. You know, oh, yeah. an I, entire I, industry gathers at one point. Yeah, and it, it's just staggering to me when I ran pet imaging for Siemens at, at what the amount of money committed to that week to yes. the entertainment of the of the population of prospects was, yes. a, num was a number that uh, was beyond <laughs> comprehension. And and I, I still just marvel at just the logistics of how they move all how the city accommodates. Yeah, I, I, I find that to be just fascinating. It's true. It's just put everything aside and bring it in. But so, uh, yeah, go ahead. The uh, pet imaging to me, when when uh, we we through our partnership with Lancaster General uh, got into pet imaging like yeah. everybody did. And uh, we had a CFO at Lancaster General for like 100 years who I always would bring in for the tour of the technology. Sure. And he so much respected the radiologist once he saw the technology and <laughs> he was so pivotal in financing all that. Cause he knew all the bankers, you know, yeah. and yeah. we were just so fortunate. It was just so foreign to me to hear practice managers talk about the hospital as being kind of the enemy, you know, I agree. And I always thought, no, wait a minute, they don't have to be the enemy. They need to be partners. And, you know, you so know, I, that that's been a tenuous relationship because as you recall in your days, when the radiologist figure out figured out you could unbundle an outpatient imaging center, yeah. take the cat, oh. take take the cat scan, the MRI, and the ultrasound, and leave everything else, the barium, everything else. You guys keep that at the hospital because we're yeah. taking this stuff out to this beautiful building here. Yeah, the suburbs. And then yeah. then when the reimbursement model changed and everybody's running back to the trough, right, and trying to sell all those imaging centers back to the hospital. You know, it's been it's been an interesting relationship between those key players. Yeah, no kidding. Now, with collaborative, essentially kind of the same model as some of the other integrate, you know, strategic S and similar, unified similar. you've been involved with. Yeah, yeah similar, Bob. But yeah. in that, it's it's all about collaboration. It's about trying to get practices together, look mm -hmm. at best practices, look at image sharing, look at subspecialty sharing, and doing that. Uh, what CI has done that's kind of unique, I think, to the other organizations is it's built around proprietary software and technology. So that's the unifying factor that, uh -huh. you know, with many of the other MSOs, you're trying to find a way to connect them. How do you mm -hmm. get them together so they can share images and share this? With CI, right. that's the given. It's already there. 
So uh, that's been yeah. kind of the the, uh, the pivotal difference between the other iterations that I've been part of along the way. Um, yeah. And so how many they, physicians are now involved with CI? There's almost a thousand. Oh, are there really? Yeah. And, yeah. And it's, um, and it's great practices for for you, what you and I are talking about, it's, you know, from a TRA, Texas Radiology, it's the fifth largest group, you know, in the country at about mm -hmm. 170, mm -hmm. down to, uh, you know, some great North Carolina groups in, that uh, are in the uh, 18 to 25 mm -hmm. range. So it's right. wonderful to have the, what you see as the sharing between those groups back and forth is, uh, that to me is what I've grown up on and what I love still doing is just yeah. bringing that forum together where you can pick the topic, whether it's around the topic of a, of a protocol or whether it's around cyber and just get the input of, of yeah. everybody, what's working for you and what's not, and then go find the right solution, you know, right. go, go fix it. Yeah, go fix it. And and yeah. that's what's, I, I agree with you in working with radiologists, boy, when you can bring them a solution, they're just so pleased. And they are. I have found it interesting too, that radio, you would never think radiologists were very entrepreneurial, you know, yeah. they're kind of the doctor that's, but they really are, aren't they? It, it depends on the, you, you, yeah. you find that, that same bell curve, you know, you find some that, you know, went into that field because they didn't want to talk to people. They wanted to be yeah. on their own with the, and be able to do their thing and others who were, can't wait to develop it. What's the next thing we can figure out together. Yeah. Very collegial in nature. And it continues. It's wonderful. Do you, do you think uh, the next 10 or 15 or 20 years, you know, what everybody says, well, you know, I don't know about imaging. There's, you know, how many more modalities could it be? But do you think it's all yeah. about artificial intelligence and that yeah. application? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's around artificial intelligence in, in a positive way, being able to uh, have validation events around mm -hmm. the use of radiology intelligence, you know, so mm -hmm. I, I, uh, I think that's important. And I think we're gonna find machine learning to be every bit as important because radiologists are patterned. They do things the same way. They read the same way. They hang right. their images the same way. And so if you can pattern that, figure that out and save them having to do that, you're, you're already building a workflow that's gonna save a ton of time. You don't, you don't have to worry about it. If it comes in, doesn't matter what PAC system it's coming from, if their reading station takes that in the background and puts it exactly like they want, brings their macros from their voice recognition, yeah. and all they have to do is read, you're adding a whole lot of time to the equation. And <laughs> I think you, that's where we're going, Bob. Yeah, when you said that about radiologists have their own way they liked it, you know, that was the, the chief tech usually was the tech that knew what every radiologist liked exactly. in terms of hanging their films, right? And you talk about negotiating, that's what <laughs> it's all about, yeah. <laughs> And now you take you take that to electronic formats with a 300, 400 film CT, but they, you know, it's not any different. They want this presented this way. Friars here, president here. Yeah. Know, oh, yeah. Here. It's a, it was amazing all the negotiation and consternation around oh, yeah. that at shareholder meetings, you know. Yep. And, and so and so doctor got mad and walked out today for 20 minutes because they didn't like things the way things were wrong. Right. I think those people that are to your point, Bob, those that are in practice management and radiology are going to have as much fun as you and I've had in those yeah. years, because I think uh, radiologists are committed to best practices. They're committed to the, to, you know, if you look at radiology as a part of every incident in the hospital, no matter what the care cycle is, it's got imaging and it's somewhere. 
And I think right. as long as it's that critical, then those going into the leadership roles and into the clinical roles are just going to have every bit as a good ride as we've been fortunate enough to have. When, when we look at RBMA members, uh, yep. we look at um, healthcare administrators, you know, we're, we're getting up there, bud. Yes. And so um, one of the things RBMA has challenged is, well, how do we, how do we attract these young dynamic professionals and more into the business? Um, you and I kind of entered it like a lot of people by accident and have made a career out of it. How do we get more intentional, do you think, in terms of attracting really talented management people into this business of healthcare, business management for physicians? I think it's, the, I think it's just uh, the opportunity of being able to share some old sage experience of what it's been and the experience to have people mixed with people who are in it right now. So I think it's both of those. And that's why the national meeting is so much fun because you have mm -hmm. all of that going on at the same time with that, with that elbow to elbow back this year to talk yeah. about it. And I think that's where we can influence the, the young bright to say, this is a field that has a lot of promise in it. And everything you think of as a skill set you would like to have in practice management is present in radiology. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, great, great opportunities for everybody. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with AI. And I know the college is very much involved with that with their data yep. media Institute and what they're doing. And, right. and it'll really be interesting to see. I, I mean, I know the early stuff with radiologists as well, they're not going to need as many of us, you know, the, the computer is going to read the image. I no, don't believe that. The, huh? That's not the play. Yeah, I think the word validation that you used is is uh, so much yep. better, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to validate what what uh, what radiologists think. So, uh, but I think your training in divinity probably made you uniquely qualified to work with doctors. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's that you have some that are holier than thou, and some that don't give a crap. So it's perfect. Yeah. I, I know a guy in the insurance, he's an insurance broker. He, he said, I won't sell to doctors because man can only serve one God. <laughs> That's an actual quote from him years and years it. and years ago, but uh, you've, you've figured out how to serve more than one. God. Yeah, absolutely. It's been <laughs> but, a wonderful time. Yeah. Ultimate, yeah. Respect. Ultimate respect. I, oh, absolutely. I, just, uh, I just had a reunion here on the Cape with the president of my group at Thomas Jefferson 30 oh, years ago. Oh, and, great. Uh, and the, it's like old times, you know, it was not, you could go back talking about meetings, people, training, all that stuff. It's a small, small world, Bob, of radiology. Yeah. And those, those that uh, have been through it and lived the golden years smile, but they are still willing to give forward to the yes. people that are in it today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I've found that uh, wherever and, I go in radiology, they're over. willing to reach back and give back and, yep. and, and welcome the new physicians in. And I, and I think that's just so interesting to me. We, it's great. one of our daughters is a young pediatrician and, um, it's been fun being her father and somewhat of an advisor, but I, I think we're challenged by these, by these young physicians and yep. kind of some of their lifestyle needs. They look at the world, obviously totally differently. And, and I think there's opportunity there to, to kind of do it differently. Uh, could, could not agree more. Yeah. Uh, I think we're seeing it in recruitment issues in radiology where the millennials have a different way of looking at that call issue. Yeah. And uh, oh, yeah. 
you know, they're committed to their families and they're committed yeah. to their spouse and their kids. And yeah, they, they're, they don't need to think about that top end salary in exchange for a lifestyle. And that's wholesome. Right. It's, it's great, yes. to see, but it, it creates a lot of challenges at those big practices that still have a lot of the top end senior shareholders in their sixties who have done it the other way. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's just a transition period. I look at it, it as just a trans yep. transition period and radiology we'll get through will, that. Yep. Radiology will be good throughout all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, bud, thank you for uh, joining me on a word with Bob. Bob, uh, it was a great Friday afternoon for me to spend with you. Yeah. We could probably go on, but we, yep. we won't bore the audience with other stories, good. but uh, this has been good. We look for, I appreciate all your time you've given to RBMA over the years and continue. Glad to do it. Yeah. And, and I, look, uh, I appreciate your leadership and I look forward to you. seeing you uh, live. I'm going to go down to the Florida, Florida RBMA in July okay. as my first, uh, first breakout since there you go. started. And that's just to tune me up to get ready to see you in Las Vegas. That, that'll be great in October. We plan on a, uh, a great time. And then as our staff fully knows and is kind of wide-eyed about it, short six months later, we go to Paradigm 2022 at the Broadmoor, which everybody and, will be and there. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, Bob, in, in, in working with uh, Tim Bassett on building our sponsorship, that's yeah. just a unique opportunity for a company to be able to hit in October and turn right around and hit again yeah. in April. So uh, great job on that planning. Well, that, sometimes you just get lucky. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Hey, stay healthy, bud. Uh, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you in Vegas at Paradigm. As they say, I'll see you down the road, my friend. All right. Great. Thank you. All right. Bye. Hey, RBMA friends. Bob's still here to have a word about Advocate RCM. Advocate RCM has been the benchmark leader in radiology billing since 1998. Based in Columbus, Ohio, Advocate works with radiology groups throughout the United States, providing comprehensive billing, coding, and qualified registry services. Advocate's team of radiology professionals welcome the opportunity to discuss how they will help improve your practice's revenue cycle performance, as well as staying prepared for the ever-changing complexities within our industry. Visit Advocate's website at www.advocaterCM, all one word, advocaterCM.com, or contact my friend Pete Moffitt, who's the Senior Vice President of Business Development at Advocate. You can contact Pete at Pete, P-E-T-E dot Moffitt, M-O-F-F-A-T-T, at advocaterCM.com to learn more about Advocate's suite of comprehensive revenue cycle management services for your practice. Do that today. Well, there you have it, folks. A wonderful conversation with Bud Day, the Vice President of Business Development with Collaborative Imaging. Um, his, when, when you talk with Bud, it's infectious. Um, he's uh, funny. He's smart. He's got just so many interesting things to talk about with his 40-year uh, journey through radiology and leadership. Um, he said, uh, you know, when we were preparing for this, um, he said, here are some thoughts on on how lucky and economically and mentally stimulating it has been to be in radiology all these years and realize it's even more vibrant today. And um, that is, uh, to me, very, very inspirational. And I hope some of our RBMA 
young professionals out there in Word with Bod, Bodland are, are listening because we can learn a lot from these individuals who've been involved on so many different phases of radiology from the technology side to managing uh, clinically to um, then in, in consulting and developing opportunities for physicians. So I want to thank Bud Day for um, uh, sitting down uh, virtually with me and uh, having a conversation and inspiring our members. Again, remember those three things at the beginning, register for Foundation Day, register for Paradigm, and get your vaccine. Uh, thanks for joining me with A Word with Bob, and uh, join me with A Word with Bob Live on Founders Day on August the 19th, and I can ensure you a, a, a zesty and lively conversation. So uh, we'll see you at the next uh, Word with Bob. Uh, thanks to Rachel McGregor, as usual, for all her wonderful uh, work in producing A Word with Bob. Take care. Have a wonderful day.